1: Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Brulanski, joined as always by Nick Horwat here on the Tip of the Iceberg. The Penguins have now won three straight games, their second winning streak of three or more games in the past two weeks, and we have a lot to talk about today. Of course... We can talk a little bit about Penguins Blue Jackets because it was realistically the same exact game story as the first time these two teams met up. Blue Jackets pushed hard early, got out to a lead in the first period. The cream rose to the top and the better team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, came out with the two points in regulation. But there are some stories, as I I said last week, that are just bigger than hockey. And, And right now, any story that comes out about Chris Letang improving his condition Getting back onto the ice, which is obviously secondary, but being healthy enough to get back onto the ice is the main story. It seems like he is progressing much faster. At least much faster than I expected, Horwat, and I assume you'd feel the same way.
0: Yeah, I know that everyone said from the jump that it was a less, far less severe stroke than the last one, but I still didn't think I still don't think anybody expected something like this. I mean, to the point where it's been over a week since we all found out and not even moved to ltir i brought that up the first time whenever we first discussed this like he wasn't moved off of the active roster Like he's taking up a roster space so clearly at that with this amount of time that has gone past um it's safe to say he's not gonna get dropped on there which if you think about it can only mean one of two things either one we're managing this very poorly <laughs> or two, he's going to be back soon because would it not be just the smart decision to drop him on LTIR, especially if he's going to miss that amount of time uh, and free up $6.1 million in cap space in case, you know, three players get sick and another one is injured? What? So you so you can make a call-up or two to fill that line money-wise. I mean, yeah, the roster size is still... Um, close to the top but you still have at least a little bit of flexibility
1: yeah I don't know <laughs> to me there is a third option there not not just oh we're screwing this up or he's coming back very soon it could be the very real possibility that that they have no idea when he'll be ready to come back but they were on a long five game home stand they do go on the road on Friday to Buffalo but then right back at home for a lot of games to end the month of December So there's really no need to drop him to LTIR until you know that he's going to miss that amount of time. So it might not be that they expect him back, but they might not be sure whether or not he'll come back in that allotted 10 games, 24 days that he would have to miss automatically if he was put on the LTIR. They could make it retroactive to the first game that he actually missed, which would obviously uh, shorten the amount of time that he's on there, but I do think it's a very real possibility that they looked around and they said listen, we have our six defensemen, we're not playing shorthanded, and unless we are going on a long road trip or unless somebody goes down, gets sick, so we almost saw it on Tuesday, goes down, gets sick, gets injured, we need to fill that spot, there's no need for us to make a rash decision, there's no need for us to put him on LTIR if we don't if we have the cap space and the roster to fill out an actual game lineup. So I think that's a very real possibility as well.
0: Yeah, it is. I just, I just feel like whenever you are in that situation of, we don't know, Mm -hmm. uh, well, wouldn't the smart move to, to be, to play it safe. I mean, I don't, it's, it's an interesting, interesting, wild concept that I really, like I said, the first time we discussed it, I was shocked. Mm -hmm. He wasn't put on then. Yeah. And I get it, but it's, it's we got plenty of home games coming up. You're right yes. about that part of it. There's we go to Buffalo, but then immediately the next day we're back, and then what? We only have three more away games following that for the rest of the calendar year,
1: and they're all in the Metro Division. Yeah, we have a lot
0: of Metro games coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we play Florida in there, and obviously Buffalo twice, but it's a lot of Metro. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, it's um, I'm still just surprised that we're getting off topic. Though the point of here here is is that. Uh, but well, Tang is skating again. Yeah, sort of. yeah. We don't know to the capacity and if it is team regimented, because that is one thing Sullivan has kind of been saying since the beginning, that he's skating, yeah, but we haven't cleared anything. Mm-hmm. He's kind of just doing this for the you know, peace of mind. But then that video popped out, and it was him doing drills, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen, doing drills. That's a little bit more, um, I'm not going to say team regimented still, despite the fact he was skating with Ryan Haling and Ty Hennis, uh, but a little more conducive so, a little more re- a little more regimented they're doing drills mm-hmm. it's uh that looks like a step forward to me that looks like he's yeah doing a little more than staying in shape
1: yeah and we can obviously only draw comparisons to what we know in the hockey world and when you see somebody practicing with ty Henness before practices and doing drills and stuff like that that is the first step of on ice return to a full lineup spot the next you know, the next step in that normal process, which this might not be like like Mike Sullivan has said, Ron Hextall has said, we are at the mercy of the medical professionals who are monitoring Chris's situation, which is 100% the way to go to it. So this might not be the way that his actual return is going to go. But usually you see that practice individual with Ty Hennis and then you see them join practice with the rest of the team in a non-contact capacity, then they get full contact for a couple of practices, and then they return to a game. We don't know if that's what it is, but looking back on what we know, that's the normal way that these things goes. That's That's the sequence of things. So we'll have to keep an eye on that, but you mentioned it. Not only was that just a couple of days ago, that was Tuesday before the morning skate. Eight days separated from having a stroke. And this man is on the ice, not just on the ice, doing a twirl like he was two days after. He's on the ice doing extensive drills, which, listen, he had a stroke. That's a heart condition. And he's out there doing a little bit more intensive drills already. That's only a positive sign uh, for Chris Letang and his health.
0: It is. It is. It's, it's more than just keeping up the... Uh, keeping in the right mindset, like what, which was part of the early twirls or skates in the following days. This is a little bit more than that. This is um, getting reps in. This is getting a practice in on your own. It's uh, really good for his progress and also phenomenal for the team's morale mm-hmm. in general, the fact that he's able to be around the team and still crack jokes with them and uh, be in the locker room every day. It is it is more than just uh, him taking reps and working his way back. He's remaining a member of this team. hmm and that's huge for not just Chris, but the team in general and all the fans that are supporting every aspect of this whole thing. Uh, it was funny to me that I don't remember
1: if it was uh, Monday after practice or Tuesday after the game, but P.O. Joseph had a comment when he was asked about filling in or stepping up uh, for Chris Letang and how the defense is done in Letang's absence. And he said, quote, there's no point in trying to be the hero. Or trying to save the world. We just got to do what we can and step up to the level that we can. And it's funny that he said that because it seems like Chris Latang is having a Herculean superhuman experience on his uh return here from a stroke. So definitely uh, positive signs. We love to see it. And the one thing I want to ask and, and listen, it, it's almost a moot point to try to speculate as to when we'll see him back in the Penguins lineup. But it feels like too good of a story for him to return for the Winter Classic, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, feels too good, and it doesn't feel too soon, too. I mean, we are like we say, we keep we're, we're, we're it's the health of the human first. Mm-hmm. Um, but genuinely, I mean, I, I I don't know what a normal recovery process is for a stroke. I don't remember how long it was for the last one. I keep forgetting mm-hmm. how long it was. What did we say? Two months. I thought I saw that somewhere, but I have to double check because somebody else said eight. And that's,
1: you know, that much of a discrepancy means that somebody was wrong.
0: I mean, I think he came back that season.
1: So I would imagine it was two. Yeah, I'm going to go with two for now. Do you remember what
0: year it was? I could probably just...
1: It was in uh, 2014. But while while you look that up, I'll I'll give my point on, on this Winter Classic return. That would be exactly five weeks separated from his stroke. And I know that seems like, hey, that's a that's a quick turnaround to go from, you know, a medical emergency to playing on national television in the way that Chris Letang plays as well. Because the way that he plays is not conducive to somebody with a heart condition, but the man is an absolute freak of nature. He's an animal. He is one of the most fitness or biggest fitness freaks in the National Hockey League. And I, with all this being said, there should be no rush to get him back. I do not want to see him back until we know he is 100% ready to go 100% not going to you know re-injure himself or or nothing's going to flare up he's not going to face a setback because this is something you have to really you know you got to handle with kid gloves you got to really take it very seriously but that feels like almost the perfect scenario and especially for Chris you know how he's feeling going into this i mean he's what 34 35 years old how many more opportunities is he going to get to play in an outdoor game let alone the winter classic at fenway park you know it's going to mean a lot to him to be out there for that game if he can in the capacity as a penguins defenseman and not just uh as uh an injured member of the pittsburgh penguins
0: yeah and it was two months i mean and he had it and i can tell you his game sequence i don't have the exact dates he's he last played in 2014 It was the late, late January and then returned before the regular season ended in early April. Yeah. But which by the way, in the last four games of the regular season, he had, sorry, last three games of the regular season, he had four points. <laughs> Freaking oh, nature. Uh, so, so if that's the case, we would expect it to be sooner than two months, two months in a week, whatever this mm-hmm. exact layout may have been. Nine weeks, probably. About, I mean, if you want to get technical, it was uh, January, oh, I'm on the wrong dates here. January 27th was the last game to February 9th. So, yeah, give or take some weeks in there. To February 9th? You mean May 9th? Or April May, 9th? April, April, April 9th, Okay, yes. I was
1: about to say, he missed a week? <laughs> Sorry, full, um, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Here. Yeah, all good, but, but yeah, no, that's it, it's the end of January to the beginning of April. That's not very long. At not long at all like a that is literally like nine weeks and like i mentioned it would be exactly five weeks uh if this go around if he returned for the winter classic
0: yeah so you would assume it's going to be quicker than that time period and if it happens to fall into there sure you got your you got your uh hbo special let you got your disney movie it's all right there for you yeah you're, you're 30 for 30 on espn
1: you got you got to bring it with the times. whore. Right? ESPN owns uh, owns the NHL now uh, their television rights. But let's, let's yeah, but hasn't thirty for thirty kind of fallen off? It has because there's so many of them at this point. It used to be yeah. only only select stories, but um, now it's a little bit more open to the public. But we're getting on a tangent. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Sidney Crosby because he is on an absolute tear right now. One of the top five in the NHL in scoring. Now nobody's going to catch Connor McDavid. He's at fifty-two points at this point. But more impressive is Sidney Crosby's recent run in his last 10 games. Eight goals, 10 assists for 18 points. He has five multi-point games in the last 10 and he has two multi-goal games in the last 10. What do you make of Sidney Crosby's incredible performance so far this season and more specifically
0: in these last 10? It's It's been something to watch. He's doing everything he can to help this team win and that's always what he does has done. Is doing everything he can to help his team win, but at the same time, well, you're doing it by being one of the best players in the league. You know, yeah, it's... You don't want to talk about how you are as a player, um, but... Damn it, you're standing out like a sore thumb right now just because of how phenomenal this has looked. Uh, What did you say it was in the last 10? Because that's gross.
1: He had 8 goals, almost a goal per game. Definitely has an assist per game. 8 goals, 10 assists,
0: 18 points. Yeah, 18 points. Just... And there's you, multiple multi-point games, two four-point games in there. Five multi-point games. Half the time, he's scoring at least two points. He's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's it's quite incredible, especially when you look at look at his age. I mean, among the top ten point scorers in the league right now, he and Eric Carlson are the only ones over 30. Carlson's only 32, I think. Sid's 35, man. Jeez. That's... You get the old man contract at the age of 35. You do. They're literally called the 35 plus contracts. Yeah. This is a little different now. It's, I mean, sure. Do everything you can to help the team win, but by God, you're crushing this league right now. And then, yeah, I get It's not Leon dry or Connor McDavid or even Jason Roberts in numbers, but it's still just so, so incredible to watch happen in front of you.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Now, there's a, another reason that I really, really am impressed with it, and I think there's a reason that we've seen him kind of go to another level, and that's because he's playing consistently with Ricard Raquel and Jake Gensel on that line. A uh, stat here from Jake D 8771 on Twitter says the Penguins are now 11-1-2 and 2, with Gensel, Crosby, and Raquel as their top-line trio. It's an absolute just embarrassment of riches for the penguins because below that is one of the best underlying numbers lines in the national hockey league this season in Zucker Malkin and rust. So their top six when healthy and when clicking on all cylinders, which they have been for the past at least week. And Crosby has been for the past 10 games. This is the best top six in the national hockey league. And I'm a hundred percent comfortable in that statement.
0: It's a bold statement. There's some good top sixes and there's some homerism top sixes out there but i think this is a very very good group of guys that uh can get it done i keep saying like they flip flop back and forth between who is the better better line at any given night but the fact that 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 they're able to do that uh, speaks for itself too Mm. it's so much um so much production coming from those two lines that Yeah, Sidney's no introduction, but at the same time, even when the second line isn't scoring their driving play, Mm -hmm. they are they are maintaining possession. Malkin may still be doing just a little too much every so often, but they're creating chances, they're generating. Every time Jason Zucker misses, he looks to the Raptors because he should have had it because he had such an open chance. Everyone out of those six are getting open chances. Mm -hmm. Brian Russ seems to be coming around after a long stretch of nothingness. Um and that's really good for the second line, especially. And then obviously the first line needs no more introduction than it than they have. It's that record speaks for itself. They're a successful team when those three are a together and b working well together. Mm-hmm. And then the second line is being a great, being better than a Robin to the Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are,
1: and and, and Sidney Crosby is, of course, the, uh, the leader of all of them. He's the conductor of this train, the conductor of this team, and right now he is playing Mozart's finest symphonies uh, on the ice for the Pittsburgh Penguins. He's on pace for 47 goals, 63 assists, which would give him 110 points. That finish, if he stays on that pace, would be the second most goals and points in his career, the career of one of the best hockey players in the history of the NHL, and at the age of 35, he's just going out there and playing like he's 18. Absolutely ridiculous, but I mean, the one question I do want to ask you, Horwath, before we cut the break, is there anything you can think of to point to as to why he is going off in the way that he is this season?
0: Yeah, that concept that he's always changing parts of his game, I think, is a big one. Mike Sullivan said that his game is ever evolving, so he's trying to do what he can to keep up with this league that is getting younger and faster around him. Mm -hmm. Maybe he doesn't have the speed, the same speed anymore, but he's now getting into more just shooting the puck because he has a natural talent for scoring goals that he just hasn't utilized that often. I mean, we've seen him go as low as 16 goals a couple seasons ago and half a year, but still. Um, It's a different... It's just the way he's always evolving his game into... I don't even know. It's hard to really put into it, but it's the way that he's just always changing his game to keep up with everything. And because he is Sidney Crosby and one of God's most gifted athletes, (laughs) he can just do that. Mm -hmm. He can just do that. He can just make himself better in certain areas. Um, and while he still is phenomenal defensive defensively minded, um, I haven't seen too much of that really. Mm -mm. I mean, his plus minus has been kind of down a little bit. He's taken a lot of Uh, He's eaten a lot of minus, minus games. Um, But that hasn't been a lot of the focus, Mm -hmm. I think. I think his focus has turned to goal scoring and going with a bit of an Edmonton, Edmonton oiler uh, outlook of just outscoring your problems, Mm -hmm. (laughs) doing what you can to win that way.
1: Yeah. You mentioned he is one of the most talented players naturally in the national hockey league. But I I have two reasons why I'm going to point to in this again, this is our opinion. Like you, you never know. But I feel that these two reasons also go into why he he has 35 points in 26 games. His work ethic is obviously unmatched. But we saw him and the drive that he had on day three and four when we were together for Penguins camp, diving in drill, drills on the second rink when it was a, a two on one drill. He's diving on the ice trying to make sure he gets goals. What we we looked at each other. We said. Did somebody want to tell him this is like day two of training camp? Maybe you should pump the brakes, old man. But we're, we're sitting there making fun of, you know, his dad was in attendance. And we we're like, oh, his dad's coming up to check on his kid 17 years, 18 years into the league. Maybe because he knew something's up. Maybe because he knew, you know, Crosby is driven that much more this season for a reason. And I, I think one of those reasons is do you think Sid didn't hear the old commentary over the summer when people were talking about Gino and Latang, and probably thinking, Oh, I'm the same age as them. So am I too old now? Like if I was a free agent, would that be in the news? And you never know how these guys think. I mean, it could be the Michael, uh, the Matt and Michael Jordan esque thing of anything to give an edge. But I think he heard that old commentary over the summer as well and said, you know What? You know we're all going to be great, but I'm going to show you personally how great I can be at the age of 35, so either way it's been an absolutely phenomenal run from the captain.
0: Yeah, and all of it boils down to just his pure talent that he's going to do what he can to win and tack on just the uh, pure skill, and I had another damn it, I lost it, I had another point that I just did that, it vanished, but uh, anyway yeah, he's been a lot of fun to watch and oh, the way uh, – I, I think it was Malkin that said this team is older, but they're not old. Yeah. Someone said that. <clears <Malkin>. <clears <throat> I think it was him, Malkin. Or, yeah, it's – um, that's the way they can look at it. Like, yeah, they're, they're older, but they're not old. They still have these youthful legs in them. Whenever Malkin started off the season extremely hot, we saw that, yeah, he's older, but he's playing real young again. And now here we are, Senior Crosby, 26 games into the season, 35 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's 35, but he's not playing like it. So it's yeah. – age is just a mindset for this team mm-hmm. or yeah mindset for this team
1: age is but a number Horwat, and time is but a number as well and we are running over in this first segment so we're going to take a quick break but when we return talk about the power play because it's starting to find its rhythm for the pittsburgh penguins we'll be right back Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Before we get into the Pittsburgh Penguins power play, which has been clicking on all cylinders the past couple of games, we do want to mention one piece of news that came out on Wednesday. Penguins prospect Sam Poulin has stepped away from the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton baby Penguins of the AHL. Uh, Due to personal reasons, he's taking a personal leave of absence, returning home to Quebec to continue working on and off the ice on his progression. But we just wanna wish Sam, of course, all the best and uh and hope that he returns, whether that be at the NHL level or the AHL level, uh fully whole and, and ready to go and hope that this uh what this leave of absence really helps him.
0: Yeah, and don't try and dig into why he's leaving no. or what it's for. No. Uh like Hextall said in the release, uh <clears throat> just respect the kid's privacy. It, number one, let's remember he is a kid. Yeah. It's, that we don't know anything about it we're not even going to speculate if it's a mental health thing we're not going to speculate if it is a family thing doing none of that we're just going to say you respect a kid's privacy in this situation and uh hope he gets better and hope he's able to return like you said whole and uh return you know doing what what he loves
1: so with that let's move over and talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins power play because Tuesday might have been their finest performance as a unit and talking about the the top unit this entire season. I mean, I know you're playing the Columbus Blue Jackets who let's let's not get this mixed up. They have a really bad penalty kill unit, but what I think is good is they they change things up and you can see that they're they're trying to do things a little bit differently. Sullivan said to you on, I don't remember when it was, but after the Saturday game against St. Louis, that he wanted to build off the two power play goals scored by the second power play unit. Well, the Penguins did go one for five against Columbus, which is okay, they scored, but I think the thing you have to look at is every single opportunity they had, they had several, several opportunities and got a lot of shots on goal.
0: Yeah, they had plenty of opportunities. It, it, It didn't look horrendous. It's kind of the was kind of the best part of it is that it didn't look like they were um just blowing up chances like they had been done so often so every so often you'd be watching the first unit out there you'd look away for a second i don't know check a text you'd look back up oh the the whoever the opponents now on a on a breakaway what happened because it just had this tendency to just fall apart and overpass and pass into legs um That didn't happen as much against columbus again yeah columbus bad team you know 22nd 22nd in the league and penalty kill but still um nhl players Mm -hmm. still nhl caliber players that you need to play around and they did that they were taking advantage of the right opportunities and i think you put it beautifully in your penguins to go which by the way go listen to mondays to no sorry tuesdays wednesdays and fridays Mm -hmm. um switch up the way the concept works Mm -hmm. put sydney crosby down low move Gensel to the side and go from there and that is exactly how that one goal score was scored now it's a start it was one for five which still isn't ideal but at least they look competent and that is the first stepping stone because i think we've lost the idea of switching up the personnel because that doesn't seem to work either mm-hmm. yeah
1: switching up the personnel can only do so much if you don't change the actual scheme especially when the personnel you're switching is somebody that's not really too involved in the scheme to begin with so i saw a lot of scheme changes on uh, on tuesday and i i liked what i saw like you mentioned and i texted it to you anyway Whenever I I put out that first Penguins to go about Jake Gensel and go back and listen to it, I said he needs to get out of the net front from time to time, and they need to utilize his playmaking abilities. They did that on Tuesday. He passes it to Crosby down low, who I also said that's where he should be playing a little bit, and the the puck goes in the net. And trust me, I was grinning from ear to ear when I saw that. But something else I mentioned on that show, and I won't give away the the whole show. Go back and listen to it. It's only 10 minutes long, is... They were not just switching spots for those two guys. They were consistently moving throughout the zone. Malkin and Petrie were switching. Raquel was going to the opposite end of the ice. Crosby was going to the net front, then going to the left side. Gensel was in front like he's always been, but he's then been on the left wing. He was then taking shots on the right wing. That is the the reason the Penguins needed to switch the scheme, is because they were becoming too predictable. And it doesn't matter what players you have on the ice. It doesn't matter... How talented the players you have on the ice. If you're predictable, a lot of penalty kills in the National Hockey League are going to be able to shut you down. And that's where the Pittsburgh Penguins were at. Moving like that, thinking, okay, we don't know who's going to be where because they're switching everything up. That's going to get people guessing. And that's what's going to open up opportunities for your uber-skilled guys like Evgeny Malkin to get open shots. Jake Gensel had a one-timer that I thought was labeled for the top corner. But he just couldn't get it close enough to the post. And then you see that it pays off with the Crosby goal with a beautiful pass uh, from Jake Gensel to Crosby on the back door. And the other thing I want to mention is the one issue that I really hated was them trying to be the Harlem Globetrotters on the power play and making all these Royal Road passes that led to those breakaways Mm -hmm. because they were playing up, up high already and they were trying to pass it, you know, if they're not patty cake passing it back and forth, wasting time. They were trying to make these ridiculous, you know, Lemieux Gretzky-esque passes on every single power play opportunity. And when you do stuff like that, especially if you take any any amount of steam off the puck, you're going to give the other team a chance to take the puck and go
0: the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... <clears throat> you can't try and make... force those passes. That's one thing that... Well, you, yeah, you can all pass phenomenally well. <clears throat> you just can't force it like that you have to have the right opportunity if you see a, if you see a hole and you're able to cross that pass the entire way to length of the ice go for it because mm-hmm. it's going to look great if it connects but if it doesn't you understand that that's a high danger chance and that's one thing that killed the penguins for a long time now was those high danger chances they talked a couple of times about how um, they were taking too many high danger uh, opportunities and not succeeding on them so, like I said, if if it works out, great. You look like a phenomenal team, which you are. Just act like it sometimes. Yeah. Now, interestingly enough to me,
1: all three of the goals, of course, they tacked on the empty netter, which was taken on a mind of its own for Teddy Bluger to be the uh, a flying Latvian trying to get back into his own net. Um, but all three goals for the Pittsburgh Penguins against the Blue Jackets came from the same place that Kasperi Captain scored his entire hat trick on Saturday, in the blue paint paint. Crosby falling down right outside the blue paint. Second one, he was basically in the blue paint. Hence the reason they they reviewed it for goaltender interference. And uh, the first one was Brian Rust. Same thing. Goaltender sprawling because you're pressuring. You're bringing a lot to the center of the ice. You're bringing a lot to the net front. And that's paying off for the Pittsburgh Penguins and spades. They'll have to keep that going against a Buffalo Sabres team that, listen, they're high. Then they're low. Now it's Tage Thompson time, and uh, I'm hoping he ran out of gas on Wednesday. Whenever he blew up the Columbus Blue Jackets for five goals and six points in a nine to three victory, man, the the Blue Jackets are just they're they're having a rough go of it. And we'll talk about more of that. Uh, After this break, when we get into our Metropolitan Division rankings 3.0 for the month of December, Uh, we waited on it a little bit just because there were other things to talk about earlier in the month, but we will get to those power rankings of the Metropolitan Division right after this break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. I'm Nick Berlanski. That's Nick Horwat. And like Horwat mentioned in the last segment, make sure you check out our new segments, Penguins to Go, coming out every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you know why that's great, Horwat, for our listeners. If you wanted more content, if you wanted more up to date content, you will now have a new episode on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast feed anywhere you get your podcast from, from Monday through Friday that's i mean to me if i want content that's what i want monday through friday an episode every day and those will come out early every weekday probably around 7 30 or 8 o'clock depending on how fast my computer processes the download
0: but they'll also be available all day and as a matter of fact i listened to both of them yesterday Mm -hmm. so you know a day later that's all available at any time give us give it a listen it's all great stuff and uh bringing up great points on so many different things
1: <laughs> first episode was about how the penguins were wasting jake ensel's potential go check that out from tuesday and then wednesday's episode there's something needs to happen uh with, with jeff carter but you can go listen to those there's 10 minutes each just go spend a couple minutes or maybe even on your drive to work which is why uh we put them out at that time but let's get into our metropolitan division rankings 3.0 horwatt Number eight and number seven, I feel like, are consensus. It's just a matter of who you want to put where. I have the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, at bottom at the bottom. Again, I believe I've put them at the bottom for all of my uh, power rankings. Cannot remember at this moment in time. I, I meant to go back and check it out. But I have the Columbus Blue Jackets at number eight. They're injured, and they're very, very young. I mean, they had two players making their NHL debut against the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday. It just seems like they're outmatched every single night
0: yeah and it's not even that they're injured they're they're players that are injured and out for the season yeah it's not like it's uh i stubbed his toe he's gonna miss a couple of games he's i couldn't think of anything else that that's 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 more a basketball injury than a hockey injury but i'll allow it fine he broke his toe he's gonna be out for a couple of games Mm -hmm. um yeah these guys are out for the year yeah they're big names and For what it's worth, the one name, I can't remember which one it is now, the one that wasn't uh, Bernie, making his NHL debut against the Penguins, I believe is supposed to be a good player one day anyway.
1: Uh, Kirill Marchenko, I believe, is his name.
0: Yeah, I think he's supposed to be good one day. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm confusing him with a different uh, name. Mm -hmm. But uh, they could have a very good future. I mean, especially if they keep this up and end up in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. You just never know. Um, But at this point, that's exactly where they are. 18 points is tied for second worst in the nhl i can't remember if the columbus blue jackets have ever picked
1: first overall but if they have Connor bedard and johnny gaudreau playing on the same hockey team that'll just be uh that'll be a lot of fun to watch not a lot of fun to go up against if you're the penguins
0: no and i can't remember if they have selected first overall ever either rick nash i believe is a uh he's up there but i do. oh look at that rick nash first overall pick okay there you go that's probably that's their only one, I was about yes. to say that's
1: that's that has to be their only uh, first <laughs> first round, uh, first overall pick but I know they have Jack Johnson uh what number three overall yeah yes I forget what year that was but man there is also was a co- number of here
0: 2005 of, oh then he he Jack Johnson was drafted by Carolina was he I, I yes. yeah I don't remember pretty sure it wasn't Columbus Oh well. because he played in LA first actually Jack Johnson so anyway the, there's also a number of top 10 picks in Columbus's history. So. Well, yeah, they have,
1: they've also only ever won one playoff series. So they they pick high, but they've only ever gotten the first round first overall pick once. But uh, enough about the Columbus Blue Jackets. Number seven, I have the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, the only reason I have them above Columbus is because they're a little bit healthier because they're still dealing with injuries as well. Uh, and at least they have Carter Hart, who's one of the best goaltenders in the league this season.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I put them above Columbus too just because they at least look like they can have some competency if things pull together a little bit. Um, it's not, it's still not gonna be a phenomenal year, but no Carter Hart, like you said, one of the best goalies in the league, except for when he plays us. Um, I mean, for what it's worth, they, this, this Flyers team can still for at least another week or two fall back on, Hey, did you see that start we had? Why do you think we're not in the basement right now? Yeah. There's still a little something to be
1: had there. Yeah. They're walking down the steps to the basement. They're, they're not quite there yet, but,
0: uh, they're certainly on their way Horwat, who do you have at number six and number five? Number six, and number five, i uh, six, the New York Rangers, just because, boy, they look down bad. I'm not saying they're, you know, going to miss the playoffs, but at this very moment, they just look down rotten. I mean, losing to the very not-so-good Chicago Blackhawks. They're not even trying to be a Chicago Blackhawks. And then blowing a 3 nothing lead to, I get the Oilers are a really good team, but you had a 3 nothing lead. Mm-hmm. You had a 3 nothing lead, and then you just got toyed with. So, I got the Rangers below the Washington Capitals as my uh, next two. Mm. And the Capitals, because eh, they're not supposed to be great. They finally hit 12 wins and 12 losses on top of a couple of, they finally hit a 500 uh, record is what I'm getting at. But, eh, at least they're the Washington Capitals, right? And Ovechkin's still chasing something. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's why I
1: have the Washington Capitals at number six. Actually, uh, I have them ranked number six. It seems like the whole team's identity now is you know Ovi's gold chase, and he's he, right now he's Jason Gordy Howe, uh, who had eight hundred one. I think Ovechkin hit two empty netters last night, uh, which puts him at seven ninety five or seven ninety six. So I mean. Uh, cool for Ovechkin, he's still having a pretty decent season. They're also dealing with a lot of injuries, which is why a lot of these teams in the basement of the Metro are struggling so much. But uh, looking at this team, even when they do get healthy, it just feels like they're past their prime. And, and the additions that they made, you know, losing Connor Brown was huge, because I loved that addition. Uh, Darcy Kemper has been fine. Lindgren has been fine in net. But if you look at the goalies that they gave up on, I mean... But is looking good in Toronto. And as we'll talk about in a little bit, Vitek Vanacek has just popped off uh, for the New Jersey Devils. So certainly not a recipe for, for greatness for the Washington Capitals. So I have them at number six. And at number five, a team that you haven't mentioned yet, I have the New York Islanders. I just, I'm not ready to trust this team yet. They've obviously outperformed in my expectations to start the season. They're certainly not falling off the face of the earth because of the loss of Barry Trotz over the offseason. And they still do have Ilya Sorokin, who is one of the most underrated and best goaltenders in the National Hockey League. Not to mention Matt Barzell finally started to score a couple goals. He has three goals on the year, but 25 assists. Um, There was a belief that he could go point per game without any goals, which would have been amazing. Uh, But I digress on that point. I just... I think there's a possibility of
0: me bumping them up a lot more, but I just need to see it on a more consistent basis. And that's kind of why I had them up at four. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're outperforming what people would have expected, but they at least are looking good. And where they sit right now is a good, healthy spot to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, As I kind of look at and compare the rest here, my top four lays out as the standings are. So Mm. have that for what you will.
1: Yeah. Before we get into the, (laughs) into the top three here, I'll, I'll say my number four, which is the New York Rangers. And you mentioned, yes, They've looked a lot worse than expectations, but the expectations were were made because of them going the whole way to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, which might have been a little overperforming, but that's what people do uh, in May and June, and I thought they did it really well. I I still like the way this team is constructed Uh, on paper. I think they did lose a couple big pieces uh, when you look at at the offseason moves, but I do like the addition of Vinny Trocek. I, I do. It hasn't been what they're paying him for, but it certainly hasn't been a disaster. And I just like this team on the ice. And I still believe that they're better than what they're showing. I mean, they went out last night and they blew the doors off the Vegas Golden Knights on the road, which is an impressive victory to say itself. But this team still goes as Igor Sesterkin goes. He's just, hasn't been outer worldly uh, like he was last season, but there's still a chance that he gets back to that. And and the Rangers get right back to being one of the top teams in the Metro.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, Let's say Igor Shesterkin picks it up and they got something going there. I mean, <clears throat> I kept putting him down because, you know, I said they looked down bad. They're losing to the Blackhawks. They're blowing 3-0 leads. I didn't even mention the fact that their own goalie was saying how bad he was playing. Mm-hmm. When your own goalie, especially like you said, whenever your team is riding and dying on the performance of the goalie, whenever the goalie says he's not doing he himself is not playing well and needs to be better, that doesn't, you know, it show how confident the team is that it they all understand they need to be better so it's 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 not a great spot for them right now i mean they're sitting outside of the playoffs i believe right now so uh, they got some things to work on they do uh they got a couple things to
1: work on and you mentioned that your top three goes as the standings goes which means you have the pittsburgh penguins ranks number three right now and the carolina hurricanes at number two why do you have the
0: hurricanes over the penguins specifically oh uh, because they beat the penguins Ah. That's kind of the main reason for it, the main crux of it. I haven't seen too much about the Hurricanes this year other than, I mean, they have a very good record right now, 14-6-6, 34 points. Yeah, we're in a dogfight with them rankings-wise. But they have the step up in, A, the overall rankings, and, B, the one time that I really paid attention to them and noticed them, uh, they beat us, and, you know, say what you will about that overtime, but they got the upper hand, I mean... Plus, that's an overtime we deserve to lose if all three players on the ice stop playing. That's true. Anyway, but yeah, so I think for what it's worth right now, I get it's really... I mean, it's close. Both teams, as of this recording, have played 26 games, both with 14 wins. Um, They just have those two extra overtime losses to flip it into their favor. It's going to be close, and I mean, maybe they could be like a, a 2A and a 2B in these power rankings, but I mean... Man, I, I just also don't want to pull the Devils out of number one yet just because they're still so shocking.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll get to the Devils in a second. And, and obviously, it's December 8th, so me even saying the word playoffs is ridiculous. But man, what would a playoff series between the Penguins and the Hurricanes
0: look like? That would be absolutely phenomenal hockey. Yeah, and we know for a fact it would not look like 2009. No, That's it, one thing we it can would say. not.
1: The Penguins would not be victimizing Pyotr Kochetkov like they did Cam Ward in that series. But uh, I actually do have the Penguins above the Carolina Hurricanes. Usually, I rank the Penguins lower than than you do. I usually have a little bit more of a, of a negative opinion of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But when I look at the Hurricanes before I get into the Pens, the Hurricanes are just, they are what they are. They're slow and steady, just under the radar. Just go out there. You know, we're going to pick up our wins. Uh, we're going to have players that are doing miraculous things, but nobody's going to pay attention to them for some reason. And then... We're going to float under the radar until we finish the season with either first or second seed in the Metropolitan Division. They are a very well-coached team under Rod Brindamore, and they are a very, very skilled team that plays extremely well uh, at 5-on-5. I I think they're one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. But right now, I do have the Penguins uh, ahead of them, even though the Hurricanes beat the Pens. Uh, a couple of days ago, I do think the Penguins for long stretches of that game outplayed the Hurricanes. It was at PPG Paints Arena, so that plays a small factor. But when I look at the Penguins... With their special teams coming along, I mean, their penalty kill has been probably the best in the National Hockey League over this past stretch. The power play, the way it looked on Tuesday, if they can keep a little bit of that momentum going. Sidney Crosby, we talked about this this episode, ultra-determined, ultra-competitive, and that first line in top six as a, as a whole looking you know, bonkers. And then Tristan Jari rounding into Vesna form. I like the Penguins and where they're at right now, as opposed to the Carolina Hurricanes, who have kind of muddled around at 500 for the past couple of weeks. I think the Penguins right now are the team to beat between these two. But the team to beat in the Metropolitan Division, and you mentioned them a couple of minutes ago, man, are the New Jersey Devils just an absolute wagon. Horwath, what are your thoughts uh, on the boys from Jersey
0: I, so, again, they're another one that I don't notice too often ever since they lost that, <laughs> ever since they lost their streak. I don't notice them too often, but then you just look at all of the numbers and you go, oh, they're 10-3-1 at home all season. Oh, they're 11-1 on the road. Mm-hmm. And their last 10, they are 8-1-1 one one, just like the Penguins. How? Who man. is on this team that is doing
1: this? Well, a lot of Damn. young players that are, man, like Hughes and Heasier on another level this year. Like, are they hitting the stride that they were supposed to hit last year? Yes, because okay. you know why? Because they have goaltending. Hey. Because hey. they what? have VTech Vanacek that they stole right from under the nose of the uh, Washington Capitals. They didn't steal him from under their nose. They went dumpster diving and picked up VTech Vanacek. And oh, look at that! I found a golden egg in the in the dumpster. Oh well. Sorry, sorry, sorry about it, Washington. <sighs>
0: Just laughing at the numbers. A 922 save percentage a <laughs> 2.1 goals against pair of shutouts with 12 2 and 1 record. Yeah. And not to mention Mackenzie Blackwood is now backup on that team. 4 2. That's that is a that is a high profile backup. Like that is a good backup. That is. Yeah, yeah. It's a young goaltending court, too. I mean, Vanecek's twenty seven, Blackwood's twenty-six. Looks like they have a prospect that played a couple he played, wait, what? Akira, Sh- what? This twenty-two-year-old call-up is a perfect five and zero. I I have to look into that because I have no idea. I was thinking you were gonna say somebody like Nico Dawes. Am I reading that right? Akira Schmid, twenty-two years old, five games played, four starts, is a perfect five and zero with a nine forty-nine and a one point four two. What? Excuse me. Okay, these guys are just getting goaltending. That defense, like, let's not, let's not take anything away from Ryan Graves, Dougie Hamilton, and the boys. Like,
1: Damon Severson has turned into a grade-A defenseman on a third pairing. And John Marino.
0: Of course, John Marino. John Marino
1: is is turned into what we all expected him to turn into after his rookie season. So we're going to have to get Neil Villapiano of the Devil's State of Mind podcast on here to talk about that rookie goaltender and just what is happening in
0: the Garden State. We play the Devils at home to close out the calendar year. Is that that on New Year's Eve? Ah, uh, the thirtieth. Ah I that love the New Year's good. Eve games. Yeah, like two o'clock.
1: <laughs> no, usually, like for some reason, it always seems like it's against the Detroit Red
0: Wings at like, oh yeah. a normal seven o'clock, and nobody's thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but because you know what's even funnier is I pulled up his hockey reference here that uh, Akira Schmid. So first of all, he's born in the year two thousand. Now we all feel old. Oh. Secondly, last season he played in six games and was a perfect zero and four. Hey. Rounding it out to 500. Wow. This is a, uh, yeah, I want to hear more on this guy. I mean, yeah, they're getting, obviously they're getting great goaltending from the guys they should be in their one and two. Uh, but they're three if this is the prospect of the future. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Yeah.
1: And somebody else I do want to mention. I don't want to go throughout this entire talk without mentioning him because he's been just as impressive as Jack Hughes, just as impressive as Nico Hischier. Shout out to Jesper Bratt, man. Dude, dude is having a year, and people will not talk about him because he plays with a guy like, you know, Jack Hughes and, and Nico Hischier, for for example. But, you know, Jesper Bratt, he is, for, for, to make it easy for Penguins fans that don't know, he is the devil's Jake Gensel. That's, that's what
0: he is. Yeah, he is. So yeah, it's such a young team. They have three players over the age of 30. And one of them is Andre Pilat, who's been injured. Oh boy. Yeah. And Tatar's also been, you know, we could go on for days about the players that have just been
1: standing up and standing out for the New Jersey devils, but we're going to end this episode. I'll give you my power rankings eight through one. Then Horat's going to give his, and then we're going to get out of here. I have Columbus at eight, Philadelphia at seven, Washington at six, the two New York teams, the Islanders at five and the Rangers at four. Then I have the Hurricanes, the Pittsburgh Penguins,
0: and the New Jersey Devils. Horwath, what you got? Eight through one. All right, my handy-dandy little notebook here. At eight, Columbus, seven, Philadelphia. Six, the New York Rangers. Sorry, they're down bad. Five, the Washington Capitals. Four, the New York Islanders. And the rounding out the top three is as it stands. I believe it's the top four as it stands. But, hey, three, Pittsburgh, two, Carolina, and one, the New Jersey Devils. I couldn't think of Devils in Spanish. So, Mm the devils the new jersey why can't
1: i why it's very right it's easy too it is very uh is very easy and and i'm just blanking on it that that's i need to go because i'm just gonna i'm just gonna think about it the entire time but that's gonna do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg podcast me and Horwat will together be back on monday but make sure you check out the feed every single weekday for a new episode whether it's tip of the iceberg or penguins to go. I'll be back tomorrow talking about the Pittsburgh penguins trading block on penguins to go tomorrow morning. But thank you so much for listening to this episode. Make sure you download, make sure you subscribe, make sure you check out the website inside the penguins.com where Horat is doing a holy hell lot of uh, writing for the website. So check out everything. Thank you guys so much. And also we're giving away a Teddy Bluger Jersey. We tried it once. Mm-hmm. Uh, the individual didn't come forward. Make sure you subscribe Inside the Penguins on YouTube. Screenshot that. Put it under the tweet that is on Inside the Penguins on Twitter, and you're entered for a chance to win a Teddy Bluger jersey. That ends Monday, I believe, whenever they play the Devils. That's when it ends. Or, sorry, the Stars. That's when it ends. I got to go. I'm still trying to think of Devils in in Spanish, man. You got me all messed up. Uh, We'll see you guys next week. Have a great weekend, Pens fans.